Welcome to the Brentwood Church Audio Podcast. As always, you can jump on over to brentwoodchurch.org or your favorite social outlet where you can find Brentwood Church and see what God is doing in this community. Now let's take a listen to this week's teaching. Today we're going to answer a really important question. And here it is. What is a friend? What is a friend? Uh, now you could probably think, well, that's an easy answer until you start to ask more than one person. If I were to go around this room and interview each of you and say, okay, give me your definition of what you think a friend is, I guarantee we're going to have some different answers, some pretty differing opinions on what a friend is. In fact, if I were to ask you specifically today what a friend is, and then ask you somehow five years ago in the past, I bet those two definitions would even be different. And here's what I'm convinced of this morning. I'm convinced that as time goes on, uh, as we progress in time, we are actually moving further and further away from what God intended friendship to be. I, I believe that God's definition of what a friend is, we continue to move further and further away. Our, our definition is becoming more and more skewed. And, and I think that obviously that's going to be um, because of some factors, multiple factors, but a big one is social media. Okay? And, and listen, I, I love social media. Don't get me wrong. But I think specifically Facebook has changed the way that we look at friends, okay? I mean, think about the, the culture and the language that Facebook has created, right? Uh, I looked back a couple weeks ago, and I just wanted to look at how many friends I had, right? And according to Facebook, I have 805 friends, which was news to me because uh, some of those people I haven't even talked to or even interacted with in over 10 years, but yet they're my friend. Uh, in fact... We don't actually have to meet to be friends. Did you know that? We just have to have a mutual friend. And then Facebook suggests that we should be friends, right? Uh, Unfriending someone is just as easy, right? It's just a click of a button. Like, what's more passive-aggressive than choosing to not be someone's friend and they not even know it and not even be aware of it? I had this happen. There there was someone in my life who we did, I mean, we did life together and and I knew this person really well. And something big happened in their life, and so I was checking, you know, my news feed to see all the, the status updates, and I was like, where, wait, it, they're missing, where, I know something's happening, what, what's going on? And I couldn't, you know, I had difficulty finding their profile, and I come to find out that they had uh, decided not to be my friend anymore, and I did not even know. So, uh, talk about awkward situation. So, maybe you've been there before. Like, it, it uh, Facebook has even changed the way that we interact with people, our friends, Right? Uh, For instance, I can know what you had for breakfast this morning. I can know who you hung out with yesterday. I can know where you're going on vacation next week. I can know where you work, where you go to school, who's in your family, all without even having to talk to you. We don't even have to interact for me to know you on an intimate level, okay? It is changing how we interact and and commune with our friends completely. And, And you may say, Brett, that's pretty extreme, like... I think you're taking this to a whole new level. But, but here's the deal. Earlier this year, check this out, Facebook reported that they had 1.06 billion monthly active users. That was billion with a B. 1.06 billion monthly active users. That is influence. That is the ability to, to shift what the culture thinks about a subject matter such as friendship. So maybe that's why we aren't often wise in choosing our friends, because we let social media do it, right? We, we see, oh, we got 
three mutual friends, so maybe we should be friends. We, we let social media pick our friends, or, or maybe not social media, maybe you just let proximity choose your friends. You know, like, okay, we work together, or we go to school together, or we're in the same neighborhood, so because of that, we've got to be friends, right? Or maybe it's common interest, because we like the same sporting teams, or, or the same type of music, that's going to determine whether or not we're friends. But what we're going to see is that when we don't use wisdom, when we don't use wisdom in selecting our friends, it can lead us down the paths that are very harmful, very hurtful. We can get into some pretty bad relationships, some dangerous relationships. And so today, we're going to reclaim this idea of friendship, okay? We're going to reclaim this idea. We're going to, to kind of fight and, and push back at the current um, change in our culture when it comes to this idea. And luckily for us, the Bible, specifically the book of Proverbs, has a lot to say about this idea of friendship. A lot. And so we're going to use Proverbs as our lens to build a picture of what a friend is. And we're going to start with what it looks like when we don't use wisdom in choosing our friends. And so we're going to go through a lot of, a lot of scripture this morning, okay? And we're going to be jumping back and forth all throughout Proverbs. And so I, I wouldn't recommend... Um, if you have a Bible, it's going to be difficult for you to follow back and forth. So you can check on the screen, or if you have the, the version Bible app and you're following with the live event, all of the verses are listed there in a row, so you can easily follow through. But we're going to be zooming through some, some verses and, and, and jumping around. So let, let's, let's dive in, okay? Let's dive in. Proverbs chapter 13, here's the first one. And remember, we're going to look through what it means when we don't use wisdom in choosing friends, what it looks like. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Fools suffers harm. So this, this friend is the foolish friend. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? The one that always seems to be making stupid decisions, always getting you into trouble. This is the friend who dares you to do things that you know is unwise, but yet you do it anyways. That, that because you're hanging out with him, you always tend to, to end up uh, in some weird, awkward, dangerous situation. The foolish friend is the friend that you end up spending the night with in jail because they just made a really bad decision. That's the foolish friend. Foolish friend. Let's keep going. Proverbs chapter 22 says this. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. And it uses ensnared, which is a, a strong uh, word it's almost like it's this disease that you may catch as well right and do you have friends like this that, that are just hot tempered like they respond to stuff with anger and outrage and they just overact to situations i, I had a friend like this in in college and um, anytime anyone tried to um, kind of question his his knowledge or his ability any anyone that would say or disagree with him he would respond immediately with anger and outrage and he was also a bitter guy and what I found is as I spend more and more time around him, um, I actually started to respond to similar situations in similar ways that he was. And, and if you know me, like, uh, anger is not really in my definition. I, I'm a pretty laid-back guy. Yet, yet at that moment, I didn't, I didn't know what was wrong. I was like, man, why am I responding this way? I, I'm being really harsh with my words. I'm responding with outrage and anger, and that's not me. And as I look back, I realize, well, it's because I became ensnared. I, I started to learn the ways of my friend because that's the way he responded so maybe you found yourself like you know responding situation like whoa where did that come from like that's not that's not me well proverbs says hey if you hang out if you choose to to do life with and to to be around this temperamental friend 
then you're going to learn their ways. You're going to start to adapt to their ways, and you're going to start to respond to similar situations in similar ways that they are. And this is the, the temperamental friend. Next, Proverbs chapter 25 says this, Like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. This is the flaky friend. Okay, the flaky friend. This, this is the guy or girl that is never there when you need them. Right? Like, you, you try to depend on them for help or assistance. You, you call upon them in your time of need, and they're just not there. Um, this is, if you want to find out who your flaky friends are, you can do the moving test. You know what the moving test is? Right? Some of you that are in community groups, you know what the moving test is. Right? Uh, so, if you have to move, right, call up your friends. But, hey, we're moving this weekend. We need some help. And you'll quickly find out. Who you're flaky for, or or you have to paint multiple rooms in your house. That's a quick way to find out who your flaky friends are. Flaky friends are the ones who spontaneously have a vacation planned the next week out of country, like all of a sudden. Oh, we're going to be out of country for a month, you know. And those are the they they just and and it says like it's like a sore tooth. It's just um, it's inconvenient. It's it's irritating, and and you just you try to depend on them, and they're just not there. It's the flaky friend. Let's keep going. Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. This is the gossiping friend. Uh, This is the person who makes it their business to know everyone else's business, and makes it their business to let you know what you think about them, or what you think about a decision that they made to let you know that, that they agree or disagree with something, what they think about that person. Uh, when I graduated from college, I worked four years in the corporate world, and I saw this to a pretty dangerous level. Gossip is one of the easiest ways to, to spread poison in, in a culture and a relationship. And, and as I worked in this corporate world and I saw these people um, who made it their business to gossip, the gossiping friend. I, I saw um, the incredible disunity that it caused, the bitterness, the, uh, the just being discouraged among other people. And, and, and gossiping friends, it's easy to fall into their trap and to, to join in, right? Like before you even know it, you're talking about that person or that decision or that organization or company without even realizing. Man, quickest way, like the proverb says, to separate close friends is to gossip to spread that type of poison that infects us and causes disunity, the gossiping friend. Next, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. This is the nagging friend, okay, the nagging friend. And what this verse uh, speaks to specifically is that there's sometimes in our friendships where we just have to choose grace and mercy. You know what I'm saying? Like, as friends, there are some times where we just have to give grace and mercy to the people that we're doing life with. Yes, there are times where we've got to speak truth. Yes, there are times where we've got to speak correction, and we just got to give them the hard, tough truth. But, but when, we, when we, the nagging friend brings it back up over and over, doesn't let it go, repeats the matter, keeps bringing it back up. And it says it, it too separates the closest of friends. When we choose not to, to exercise grace and mercy and just bring it back up, that's the nagging friend. It separates the closest of friends. Next, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 17. And uh, 
This is pretty harsh, but it's in the Bible. So, uh, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Why? Because too much of you, and they will hate you. Right? Like, that's in the Bible? Yes. I didn't make it up. Who is this? This is the overbearing friend. Right? Don't, don't nudge the person next to you, okay? No nudging. Uh, listen, the overbearing friend is the person um, who doesn't know the definition of distance, of boundaries. Right? Like, when you talk to them, they just, right here, boom. You're like, dude, just give me some space. Overbearing. The overbearing friend is the one who sends you an email about something, you know? And then calls you 15 minutes later and leaves a voicemail about the email that they sent you. And then 30 minutes later sends you a text about the voicemail that explains the email, right? That's the overbearing friend. They just, they don't know the definition of distance and boundaries. They're in your face. Overbearing. Next. This is so true. Very practical right here. Proverbs chapter 19. Wealth attracts many friends, doesn't it? Helps to have wealthy people as friends. But even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. Many carry favor with a ruler. And everyone is the friend of one who gives gifts. This is the, to put it nicely, opportunistic friend. Right? This is the friend that is looking to gain some sort of benefit. One way. To to use your friendship as a selfish ambition to, to fulfill some sort of selfish desire that they have. Like maybe your gift is you like to give gifts and you're, you're a servant. Like this, God just wired you that way. And so this person would take advantage of you because they know you like to give out Starbucks gift cards. Like that's the only reason I'm their friend. Or maybe you're like some big wig at a company or you know a lot of popular people. And so this person would be your friend so as to position themselves to, to benefit, to, to gain a, a greater status and to climb their way up the ladder, to, um, to gain influence. This is the opportunist. This is, this is the guy or the girl who uses you for, for your gifts, uses you for what you bring to the table. Not, it's, it's a one-way street. One-way street. The opportunistic friend. All right, so let, let's shift gears, okay? So Proverbs talks about a lot about what, what a bad friend is, what a negative Friend is, and so now it's going to talk about what a, what a good or a positive, something that we should be seeking. Okay, so let's let's shift gears and let's look at Proverbs chapter twenty-seven. Here's what it says, verse nine: Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. The pleasantness of a friend. This this is the refreshing friend. Man, we need refreshing friends. You know, you know what I'm talking about, like. The refreshing friend is someone that when you spend any amount of time with and then you leave their presence, you just, you feel like you've been filled, right? Like you feel like you have life, like you're just, you're full of life again. You're encouraged, you, you feel motivated. A refreshing friend is someone that you could come in to maybe a, a coffee date with them or, or getting lunch with them and you could come to them just in the dumps, in this kind of funk, just depressed even. And when you leave, you're a different person. You now have a smile on their face because they have refreshed you. Like, like a sweet incense or perfume. They, they're pleasantness. They've given you great advice. They know how to speak the right words at the right time and give the right advice. They speak life into us. We all need refreshing friends. Next, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. 
but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, when we read this verse, it doesn't seem like a positive thing, right? R- wounds. That's the first word we, we see. Wounds. We're like, oh, wounds, are, that's not a positive thing. But what this verse is saying is that wounds from a friend can be trusted. That is a positive thing. And this is the edifying friend. This is the guy or the girl who's not satisfied with average. They're not okay with leaving you where you are. They're not okay with you being stagnant or taking steps backwards. The edifying friend. I I had a guy, uh, a dear friend of mine named Ryan in college. And Ryan was the edifying friend, right? He, every time I was around Ryan, he would um, you know, give me some sort of truth or advice, point something out in a, in a positive and loving way. And, and he wasn't, like any of his friends, he wasn't satisfied where they were. He wanted to push them on to greatness. He wanted to encourage them to take steps towards, towards bettering themselves, steps towards Jesus, and he was the edifying friend. And there's only two ways to respond to edifying friends, right? First way is frustration. You're like, dude, just leave me alone, Okay. I'm fine with how I am, right? That's, that's the first way. That's the negative way. But the other way is to actually take steps, to respond to their, their advice, their exhortation, their correction, and to take positive steps forward. That's the edifying friend. So you'll always have people in your life that are nagging, that are flaky, that are overbearing, that are foolish. You'll always have people in your life. And we have a responsibility to those people to be light to be light to them, to minister to them, to actually be Jesus to those sorts of people. Like if you look at the life of Jesus, if you read in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you'll see that Jesus had people like this in his life. All right? Jesus had flaky friends. Am I right? The disciples, they jetted on him. They fell asleep when, when he needed them. Jesus had the overbearing and the foolish people that he hung out with. Okay, he didn't, he didn't push them away. He didn't turned them away, and, and didn't send them all away. He had them in his life. But for those people that we choose to kind of bring into our inner circle, that we, we choose to call our BFFs, as people are saying these days, okay, we have to use wisdom in selecting those. We have to, to let Proverbs and, and, and the, the lens that Proverbs provides for us to help us when selecting those friends, and so after working through, we, we worked through the harmful friends all the way to edifying friends, I think we can come up with a pretty good definition that I think God intends in regards to friendship. And here's it is. A friend is someone who sharpens our character and shares our life. That's simple. A friend is someone who sharpens our character and shares our life. Okay, let's break that down. Sharpens our character. What does that mean? Meaning that it is a mutually benefiting relationship. Did you hear that word mutually benefiting? Relationship. Two ways. Where both are, are encouraged and pushed to better themselves. Their character is improved. Their relationships are improved. They're, they're pushed towards a greater knowledge and understanding of Jesus. A greater relationship with Jesus. Mutually benefiting. Shares life together. What does that mean? It means that you have specifically granted access into your life. You've granted the person special and specific access into your life to do life with. And that's something you do intentionally. It doesn't happen by, by mistake. Sharpens your character and shares our life. We could call this kind of like a covenant friend or, or a covenantal friend. 
sharpens our character, shares our life. Proverbs 27 puts it this way. As iron sharpens iron. Great verse. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Proverbs 27. We get a a beautiful picture of what this kind of covenant friendship looks like in the book of 1 Samuel. In the 1 Samuel, you'll see these two characters, one uh, David and the other Jonathan. Okay? Uh, and if you don't know, if you're not familiar with that, uh, Jonathan was the son of the king, King Saul. Okay? David was kind of like this up-and-coming uh, leader in, in uh, the kingdom of, of Israel. Like He was kind of next in line to take over as king. And we read in 1 Samuel how Jonathan looked to David and made a covenant with him, made a, made a promise with him as his friend. And, and here's what 1 Samuel says. It says, Jonathan looked at David... And, and made a covenant with him because he loved him as himself. Loved him as himself. Is, is that what we typically view as friendship? It should be. He loved him as himself. And here's what that love took them to, that, that friendship took to them, that mutually benefiting friendship took them. Uh, David was threatening King Saul's kingdom and his kingship. And so like any uh, you know, power-hungry ruler, uh, he tried to kill David, tried, tried to, you know, end his life so that he could continue to rule. And, he, and we read all about this. And Jonathan stood up to both his father and the king of Israel to protect David, to preserve his life, to stand up for his friend, not to be flaky or foolish in his interactions. It's a beautiful uh, picture of, of a covenant friend in the Old Testament. Uh, last week, last week I got to be uh, both a groomsman and officiate my best friend's wedding, uh, and it was a really cool treat. Uh, we, the night before the wedding, uh, at his bachelor party, we sat around this table. There was four of us, and um, at this table we just talked, right? And and we just we, we, we talked about the memories that we've had together, the things that we've experienced together. You can, you can kind of picture it as a bunch of old war vets, like reminiscing of the good old days, sitting in their suspenders and in rocking chairs. Like that's, that's how exciting his bachelor party was, right? Pretty crazy. Um, no, but honestly, it was good. It was beautiful. And, and we sat around the table, and we, we just talked about the, the laughter that we shared the, the tears that we've shared, the lessons we've learned, the stupid decisions we've made. Uh, we spent a, a month in Europe together, just traveling all throughout Europe, went to 10 different countries. And so we were just talking about this. And, and I had one of those moments, okay, maybe you've had that before, where you're, you're with someone, you're, you're, you're physically there, but your mind is not there, right? Your mind's not there. And all the guys are like, yeah, that happens every day. But, but honestly, like, I'm sitting at this table, and we're having a conversation, and physically I'm there, but mentally I'm having this conversation with myself, and here's what I'm saying. I'm looking at these three other men, Ryan, Josh, and Ryan, and, and I had this thought, and, and here's what it was. I said, I am a better person because of my friendship with these guys. These men sitting at this table have made me a better person, have made me a better husband, a better father, a better leader, a better follower of Jesus. I am a better person because of these men. In that moment, I could literally look at each one of them and say, I love you. I am thankful for your friendship. You have spurred me to greatness. You have sharpened my character. You have shared in my life 
together. How did we get to that table that night? How did I, in that moment, get to that table that night? Was it by mistake or luck? No, absolutely not. Was it by proximity? No. For the past four years, we haven't even lived in the same state. Was it common interest? No. We enjoy doing stuff together, but we have some really different personalities in this group. So what was it? Two things. First of all, grace of God. I I really point back to the grace of God and and why we're able to maintain such a strong friendship um, all these years. Second thing, our freshman year, when we met each other, I believe we were intentional with, with choosing each other as friends. I believe over 10 years ago, our freshman year, we used wisdom in looking at each other and saying, I, I think that you can sharpen me and I can sharpen you and I give you specific and special, special access into my life to do life with for an indefinite amount of time. I am choosing you as my close best friend. Wasn't by luck. It didn't just happen. We were intentional. We used wisdom. Proverbs 12 says this. The righteous choose their friends carefully. Choose their friends carefully. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. I think that sometimes we, we fall into some of the friendships that Proverbs talks about, the negative, the hurtful, the harmful ones, because we just don't use wisdom. I think that we just aren't intentional sometimes with who we choose to really uh, welcome in uh, into our close setting of friends. I think, like we talked about earlier, we, we let things like social media, proximity, common interests, uh, choose our friends for us. We, we just, we aren't um, intentional. And because of that, we're led down to some pretty hurtful and, and dangerous relationships. And I also believe this. I believe that sometimes we, we head into some of these relationships that Proverbs talks about because we're scared. We're scared. We think it's too big of a risk or it's too dangerous to enter into a friendship like that, right? Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you say, Brett, I've tried that before. You would say, Brett, you, you don't know. Like, but I've had a friend like that before. I've opened myself up. I've, I've been vulnerable with someone and they burned me and it hurt you would say, I, I've been there. I've tried that whole friendship thing and it just didn't work out. And so now you choose to hold everyone at arm's length. You choose to set up these walls and say, I'm not willing to take that risk again. I'm not willing to go down that road of hurt and pain. It's too risky. It's too dangerous. It takes too much work. So you put up walls and you hold everyone at arm's length. And I'm telling you, as I sat around that table a month ago, I could say with complete confidence that it was so worth it. It was so worth the, uh, the fights that we sometimes had, the hurt that sometimes came from it. It was so worth the, the work and the effort and the intentionality of doing life together. And I stand here today in large part as a product of their investment, of their friendship. It was worth the risk. So what now? What do we do now, this morning? In light of, of Proverbs, the, the wisdom that was there that God has given us, what do we do now? Well, I think this morning you need to take inventory of the people that you would consider your friends. Take inventory. And, and listen, what I don't mean, okay, so don't, don't misunderstand me, don't tweet this, but what I, what I don't mean is that you make a list of all these people and be like, okay, you don't benefit me, see ya. You know, you're a little overbearing, 
adios. Like, I, I don't mean go down and start to cross people off and, and ostracize yourself from these people. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is that once you take inventory of people that you would consider your friends, I think there's some people that you need to just create some distance, right? I think there's some people in your life that you need to set up some very distinct boundaries because they keep leading you down foolish roads. They keep taking advantage of you. They're overbearing. They're flaky. They're gossiping. And you found yourself falling into the, the sin of gossip and, and anger and outrage. I think there's some people you just need to create some distance and some boundaries with. I also think this morning that you need to take an honest evaluation of yourself, something that we hate to do. Honestly, like look at yourself and say, have I fallen into one of these categories that Proverbs talks about? Have I become that gossiping friend? Have I, have I fallen into that trap? Have I become the temperamental friend or the opportunistic where I just look at people for what they can benefit me, not for what I can benefit them? And just say, where do I need to change? Where do I need to improve? Let's look at the definition one more time. A friend is someone who sharpens our character and shares our life. Man, Brentwood Church, let, let's be a people that uses wisdom in choosing our friends, our close friends, our intimate friends. Let's also be a people that is willing to ask God for help, that's willing to, to look at the scriptures and, and to listen to the Holy Spirit and listen to other people in our life to help point out areas where we have, have fallen into one of these categories. Let, let's listen to the Holy Spirit and to God's word as it helps to see how we can be a better friend, how we can be someone that sharpens our friends, that, that shares in life together. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, I am so grateful for Ryan, for Josh, and for Ryan. I am thankful that I can stand on this platform today and say that I am a better person because of their friendship. Thank you for your grace in allowing us to maintain such a strong friendship these 10 years. For, for, for giving us enough wisdom and insight our freshman year to say, okay, I think we can do this together. I think we can sharpen one another. Father, I pray for those three guys this morning. I, even, even as I talk about them this morning, I pray that you would give them a, a just a that you would speak to them specifically, that you would give them encouragement, that you would give them peace, that right now in this moment, they would realize how they've been used in my life. Father, for, for our church family, for, may we use wisdom in choosing our friends. Thank you for your word and for your spirit as it, as it seeks to, to kind of do sifting in our lives to see how we can be better friends to one another. And, and how it helps us in choosing people that we, we are intentional with, that we invite into our lives. And Father, thank you for Jesus, who's, who looks at us and says, you are my friend, and sets the tone, the example. We are uh, indebted to him. Father, we love you. And we praise your name this morning. And I ask these things in your name.